Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to Xander's Facts. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is a Xander's Facts flashback we got for you on Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. Thank you all so much for listening. No, it is not a new episode of the Xander's Facts podcast. I know some of you are really sad. Some of you couldn't care less. But this week, we are going back to one of our past episodes. Just take it, you know, because there's so many facts on each podcast, you probably miss them all. So sometimes we like to go look back at a couple of our past episodes. And that's what we're doing this week with episode 125, which is talking about college football. Because that, I had a lot of facts to say on that podcast. So we're going to get back to that in just a second. Before we do, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like this flashback, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, rate and review, check us out on all the socials, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it spreading the facts around here. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, which is a recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning. There was one that just came out this past Sunday morning, and there's going to be another one that comes out next Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to your email inbox if you sign up in the link in this episode's description. And also check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. And remember to listen to any of our past Xander's Facts episodes if you've missed them. That's why we do the flashbacks so you don't miss any episode. But maybe you missed last week's episode, episode 130. We talked about the economy. There were a lot of facts on that podcast, too, that some people, a lot of people, I think, are missing in our current discourse at the moment. So you should go listen to that podcast as well, episode 130. And any of our past episodes that you missed, they are all wherever you're listening to this podcast. You should be able to find all those podcasts. This week, though, is our Zaders Facts flashback for January 24th. We are going back to December, episode 125. When did we talk about then, y'all? We talked about the college football playoff. Y'all remember, and listen, I defended, heavily defended, Florida State University on that podcast. Do I like Florida State University? No. I don't care about them one iota, except for this, because they were hosed. And I call it where I see it. But other than that, and especially with their little thing that they're doing now, oh, we need to leave the ACC. We are so much better. I've had enough of them. They're idiots. They're stupid. But you know what? I defended them on this podcast, so they should thank me mightily because I gave them a ton of facts to use. In the aftermath, have they done anything productive with that? No, they've just gone to war with their conference. So I just wanted to preface this podcast because this is episode 125 where I talked about Florida State not being accepted to the college football playoff and why they should have been, and why that's a big issue, not just for college football, for college sports. Even if we're going to a 12-team playoff next year, the decision still should alarm you about where college sports are going right now, what the trajectory of them is. And so I talked about that on the podcast. Had a lot of facts. Thought it would be important if y'all listened again. So let's get to it. Our Xander's Facts flashback for this week we are going back to December, episode 125, when we talked about the college football playoff selection process. That's coming up right here on this week's Sanders Facts Flashback. Sanders Facts. 
college football is on the agenda again, which I didn't want to do. I did college football the last podcast, but I had to do it again, y'all, because I am pissed. Like, legitimately angry about this. If y'all don't know, the college football playoff field, to determine the national champion, the four teams were revealed on Sunday. And I've got some time today, y'all, to talk about it. Here's who made the college football playoff this season. We got Michigan, Washington, Texas, and then number four, the final team, Alabama. Who's number five? Florida State. And if you read what I wrote on Sunday on my newsletter, you would know that I do not agree with that decision. In fact, I vehemently disagree with that decision because the college football playoff selection committee, the 13 people who decide this, did not do the right thing. Is it surprising that they came up with the four that they did? No, it's not. And that's why I'm going to be spending the entire podcast this week arguing about this one little decision. Because even though I did have to go back and check from August when we did our college football preview show for the season, even before the season started, I had Alabama, Michigan, and Washington all in the playoff. I got all those three right. But now that we've actually played the games, I don't agree with that decision because Florida State, who is an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, did not deserve to be left out of the playoff in favor of a team, in this case, the team we're going to talk about, Alabama, who was not undefeated, who had lost a game. There are many reasons why this is the case, and I'll explain them in just a moment. But I wouldn't only be talking about this if this was some aggrieved decision I had on college football. I hate this decision, and that's all there is to it. The reason I'm talking about this on this podcast is because this decision goes much deeper into not just this year's college football playoff, not just the sport of college football, but the state of college sports, because this decision shows that college sports are in a very bad spot right now. And if the trajectory continues the way it's going right now, the future looks bleak. That's why I'm talking about this on the podcast right now and explain all of that. That's why we have to talk about this year's college football playoff selection process because it goes much deeper than just this Florida State team not being able to play for the national championship this year. So Florida State should be in the playoff, y'all. And I think to back up my argument, let's take a look at the facts of the situation because that's, of course, what we like to do on this podcast. Let's do it. This is a debate. That's been conducted by many people over the last few days. If you've been paying attention to sports, media, Twitter, whatever at all these last few days, even before the selection committee decided on Sunday afternoon who was going to be in the final four. This has been a very hot topic. So basically, here's what happened. If you're not familiar with the background here. Coming into conference championship weekend in college football, which was last weekend, we had eight teams, eight legitimate teams vying for four spots in the final year of the four-team college football playoff. We've had the college football playoff, which has been four teams since 2014. Next year, it's going to be 12 teams, but this year it's four. Those teams, those eight teams, are ranked in order of how the committee ranked them before the games this weekend were played. 
Number one was Georgia, followed by Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama. Alabama was eight. So here's what happened in those games. Washington and Oregon faced off in the Pac-12 championship game, by the way, the last Pac-12 title game. That was the last Pac-12 football game, which is something I'm going to bring up later. Washington won that game by three points. Washington won all their games this season, including beating Oregon twice because they beat them earlier in the season at home also by three points. So they therefore theoretically locked up a spot in the playoff. In the Big Ten championship game, Michigan shut out Iowa 26-0 to remain undefeated, giving them a theoretical lock as well. So now you had really two spots for three teams because Ohio State was one of those teams, but Ohio State was the only team that didn't play in their conference championship game this last weekend because they lost to Michigan. Now, they lost to Michigan last year, but they got into the playoff. But the playoff field, or at least the teams who were arguing they should be in the playoff, were much stronger than it was last year. So Ohio State didn't really have a chance, so we can leave them out here. So we've got two teams for three spots, or I guess four teams right now. It is going to be three teams, as I explained this. In the Big 12 championship game, though, Texas beat Oklahoma State, leaving them with just one loss on the season to Oklahoma. Texas is still in contention. Then we had the SEC championship game, and that's where the chaos ensued. Alabama beat Georgia 27-24. That was the result that was needed for chaos to ensue. And then finally in the ACC championship game, Florida State beat Louisville 16-6 to win the ACC title and keep their undefeated season alive. So Michigan and Washington are certainly in. They're undefeated conference champions. So is Florida State, though. So why is everybody saying Florida State is not automatically in? Because ultimately, as you just saw, as we all saw, Florida State did not get in, unlike Michigan and Washington. Instead, two teams that won their conference championships as well, Texas and Alabama, got in. But unlike Florida State... Both of those teams had suffered a loss this season. So why didn't Florida State get in ahead of those teams? Well, most of the argument surrounding Florida State not getting in has been the injury to their star quarterback, Jordan Travis. Travis led the Seminoles through most of their undefeated season. He had 20 touchdowns, over 2,750 passing yards, and he was named ACC Player of the Year. But he was injured in the second-to-last game of the regular season against North Alabama. He suffered a broken leg, meaning he won't be able to play for the remainder of the season. Is that why Florida State isn't in the playoff? Is that the reason? Because that's what everybody's saying, but I don't buy it for several reasons. First, from an ESPN article that was released on Monday that went through the selection committee's thoughts on the process to get to the final four teams that was titled, that article was titled, quote, Inside the College Football Playoff Committee's Decision to Leave Out Florida State, unquote. So here's a paragraph from that article, quote, It wasn't until the ACC championship game began to unfold, though, that the members' opinions began to truly take shape. The group grew concerned as it watched the Knolls struggle to get a first down in the first half. There is a section in the committee's protocol that specifically refers to the unavailability of key players that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. That allowed the committee to do something it intentionally avoids Every other week, look ahead, unquote. So the committee decided that because Florida State was on a backup quarterback and they did not look as dominant in the next two games without Travis as it had with him, 
offensively, that is true, basically, if you watch the games, they were no longer a top four team. But there's another twist here that people who are not arguing for Florida State will not tell you because Florida State's backup quarterback to Jordan Travis is named Tate Rodemaker. But he suffered a concussion late in Florida State's season finale game at Florida, a game they won against a rival in a noted hostile environment. So who started in the ACC championship against Louisville? It wasn't Florida State's second string quarterback. It was their third string quarterback, Brock Glenn, a freshman. So if we want to look ahead at who Florida State would be starting at quarterback in a month for the college football playoff semifinal games, which are on New Year's Day, it wouldn't be Glenn. It would be Rotomaker, wouldn't it? Because he would have gotten over his concussion in a month. Did the committee, like, just forget that? Did they forget last year when Rotomaker came in for an injured Jordan Travis in a game against Louisville on the road where Florida State was trailing at halftime and then proceeded to score three touchdowns the Florida State offense did in the second half and win that game on the road. And I'm pretty sure Florida State's overall team is better this year than they were last year when they lost three games. Add on to the fact, now that's one thing, add on to that fact, Florida State coming into conference championship weekend against Louisville was ranked number four in the committee's own ranking. Florida State was number five after they beat North Alabama, but Jordan Travis went down. They beat Florida and they jump up to number four. So everybody's talking about how Florida State's offense didn't look very good against Florida, but Florida State was a Final Four team to the committee after the Florida game. And then the committee watched Florida State's offense against Louisville. Florida State's offense, who was led by a third-string quarterback who would not be starting in the college football playoff, who won't be starting in their game against Georgia in the Orange Bowl, because that's the bowl game they're going to play now, and said, oh, just kidding, they're not a top-four team. After beating a Louisville team, who the committee said was a top-15 team, they were number 14 in their rankings, held them to six points the entire game. Committee says they're no longer a playoff team. So Jordan Travis, like, he must be this all-time great player, right? Like, if he was able to lead this team of misfits to an undefeated season, right? I mean, he would surely be the favorite, much less a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, right? The Heisman Trophy given to the best player in the sport that season. Duh. Well, on Monday night, the Heisman Trophy finalists were announced. Four guys. LSU quarterback Jane Daniels, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr., insert Gus Johnson, the Maserati, Maserati Marv, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix, and Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr. All very fine players who have been the best in the sport this season. Absolutely, they deserve to be named. But was Jordan Travis's name up there? No, it was not. So Jordan Travis isn't good enough to be named a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, which is given to the best player in college football that season, but he is good enough to keep his team out of the playoff because they didn't look as good without him. 
If he was good enough to make his team look so much worse without him, then how is he not good enough to make the Heisman finalist list, even if he missed his last two games? How does that make sense? And then, here's what Travis wrote on Twitter right after the committee unveiled their Final Four on Sunday afternoon. This tweet has over 100,000 likes. Quote, Devastated, heartbroken, and so much disbelief right now. I wish my leg broke earlier in the season so y'all could see this team is much more than the quarterback. I thought results matter. 13-0 and this roster matches up across any team in those top four rankings. I am so sorry. Go Knowles, unquote. Which y'all breaks my heart. I don't... You don't have to be a fan of Florida State. I am certainly not a fan of Florida State. It takes a lot to make a lot of people sympathetic to Florida State. They are known for their obnoxious fan base and that seminal chop that they constantly do throughout the game. But the college football playoff committee has found a way to make it happen because I feel terrible for Florida State right now. I Listen, if this was Virginia Tech, y'all know I'm a Hokie, and that was Virginia Tech's quarterback, who was in that same position and just led them to the same position that Florida State's quarterback did, I would be on the floor in tears if he wrote that. Because I wish my leg broke earlier in the season. For a quarterback to type those words, you do not have to be a Florida State fan for that to be an absolute punch to your gut. What are we doing? Like, just, I... (laughs) It's unfathomable. And I've, I'm not even close to done with this, y'all. We love to say that college football has the best regular season in any sport. That's why we love it, that every game matters. It matters if you play North Alabama, who was a tier below. It matters if you play whoever, LSU, at the beginning of the season. Every single game you play matters, whether that's 12 games in the regular season and you play your conference championship game and your bowl game. Every game matters because the regular season is so short. We love to say that. College football fans love to say that argument. But the committee just showed that all of that is absolute baloney because, listen, it would have been much, much worse if the committee decided to put Alabama ahead of Texas because Texas, if you don't know, beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa in week two of the season. Now, both teams have absolutely changed since that point in the season, especially Alabama, who's gotten a lot better. But if that game is going to matter less than a game in week 13 in a sport where the regular season is 12 games long, why would you bother scheduling it in the first place? Texas is so happy that they scheduled that game and won because it matters, and the committee placed them ahead of Alabama because of that head-to-head. But if the committee had placed Alabama ahead of Texas, then at this point, you're like, why in the world did we schedule that game when we could have played Prairie View A&M and gone undefeated? So at least the committee didn't fully make the worst decision possible. But their decision to put Alabama in ahead of Florida State still shows that the regular season is absolutely not valued as it once was. Remember. Back before we had the playoff, back before we had the BCS National Championship game, it was nothing. We had the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. We had those bowl games. We didn't have a National Championship game. And the polls chose who won the National Championship. And we had co-national champions a bunch of years, which is why we went to the National Championship game and to the playoff. 
and there were arguments against the playoff because they said it would devalue the regular season. But this is not the way that they... I disagree with that argument, but this is not the way that they thought that the regular season was going to be devalued. This is a whole nother reason. And The Athletic had an article that was published on Sunday that was titled, The College Football Playoff Top 4 Rewards Recruiting Wins More Than Wins on the Field. The first full paragraph of that article read, quote, Alabama, which boasts the best roster in college football, but also fell well short of dominance in its 12 wins this season, is one of the four best teams. Florida State, which ranks 19 spots behind Alabama in the 24-7 sports team talent composite rating at number 20, is not, unquote. Preconceived notions about these teams should not matter when we're choosing which should be ranked above which, and when ones should be going to the college football playoff. But let's take a look at these statistics. When we take a look at what actually happened on the field, and we're not taking a look at recruiting ratings, Florida State has lost zero games this season. They played 11 Power 5 teams. Alabama has lost one game this season, and they only played 10 Power 5 teams because they played three teams in their non-conference schedule who were not in a Power 5 conference. The ACC, Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12. Florida State and Alabama, despite being in separate conferences, share a common opponent this season. You would think, oh, well, whoever performed better against this common opponent is probably the better team, right? Or at least should be ranked higher. That would be the LSU Tigers. Florida State played them in week one of the season on a neutral site in Orlando, Florida. And Florida State won 45-24. And by the way, LSU was a top five team at the beginning of the season. When Alabama played them at home in week 10, Alabama won 42-28. That was despite LSU being favored in the game against Florida State, but Alabama was favored in their game against LSU. Florida State won by more points, and they didn't even play at home. It wasn't their same state, but it wasn't in Tallahassee. It wasn't in their same stadium. It was not a home game. It was a neutral site game. And Alabama beat them by less points when Alabama was at home in Week 10, when Alabama should have progressed at this point. Also, Florida State this season has beaten eight Power 5 teams that have made a bowl game this year. Thanks in part to the fact that the ACC has 11 bowl-eligible teams this season, which is the most of any Power 5 conference. Alabama has beaten 7 Power 5 teams that are bowl-eligible. And then let's talk about the end of the season where Florida State has supposedly ceded their spot to Alabama. This is from ESPN reporter David Hale on Twitter. Florida State has won its last two games against Florida and Louisville, the games where Jordan Travis didn't play by more points than Alabama beat its last two opponents, Auburn and Georgia, by. Now, Georgia is better than Louisville. Auburn might be a little better than Florida. But when Florida State's offense was apparently so terrible that the committee said, oh my gosh, they're not a top four team, they still won by more points than Alabama beat its last two opponents by. Oh yeah, and we want to criticize Florida State for beating a five-win Florida team in a rivalry game, as I said, at the Swamp, a notoriously hostile environment, what the Florida fans like to say to me, by just nine points without Jordan Travis. But do remember what had to happen for Alabama to beat Auburn on the road. 
they had to score a touchdown on 4th and 31 or else the game was over. And before that, Auburn had to muff a punt for Alabama to get the ball back. Auburn was going to win that game. Auburn is 6-6 six and six this year. And Alabama needed a miracle to win that game. For the entire season, Florida State's offense is ranked 13th best in the country compared to Alabama at 19, including conference championship weekend, by the way. And Florida State's defense is 6th best in America, allowing just 15.9 points per game. Alabama's defense is ranked 17th. Louisville, who had one of the best offenses in the ACC this year, scored six points against Florida State. That was the lowest point total they had all season. The only other time they scored less than 20 points in a game was when they won 13-10 against NC State. They scored 13 points. Florida State's defense held them to six. And then another thing, when we're talking about rankings, Strength of schedule and strength of record. Those are two stats that have been thrown out there in this argument. They were on ESPN while the rankings were getting unveiled. One favors Alabama, the other favors Florida State. In strength of schedule, Florida State ranked 55th. Alabama ranked 5th. In strength of record, Florida State ranked 3rd. Alabama ranked 4th. But you can't control your schedule. You don't control the teams you play. In college football, that is decided almost a decade in advance, your schedule now at this point. We're scheduling games for 2035. Like, I think that's when Virginia Tech and Alabama are going to play next in the regular season. They've already got it scheduled. But you do control how you play against your schedule. Here's why that strength of schedule argument needs to be thrown all the way out of here. Here are the top four teams. If we're going to go by strength of schedule, okay? Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan State, and Florida. Only Rutgers is going to a bowl game this year out of those four teams, okay? But what about the top four teams according to strength of record? Washington, Michigan, Florida State, and Alabama. And the three teams right on the outside, Texas, Ohio State, and Georgia. So shouldn't this be the stat that matters? Note that all three undefeated Power 5 Conference champions are in the top three of strength of record. Not for everything, it shouldn't matter, but why are we paying attention to strength of schedule when strength of record exists and gives us a better picture of who actually performed the best this season? And ESPN's Bill Connolly even put together a statistic that he calls Resume SP+, which Connolly describes, this is a quote, a tempo, an opponent-adjusted measure of college football efficiency, a measure of the most sustainable and predictable aspects of football. He combined that with strength of record. And here's what the results showed. Number one, Michigan. Number two, Florida State. Number three, Washington, Ohio State. And then at five, Alabama, followed by Georgia and Texas. So for the statistics that show who played the best this season against the teams they played against, Florida State comes out on top over Alabama. These are facts. Now, don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I am absolutely not dissing Alabama, y'all, because in a typical college football season, Alabama is absolutely one of the four best teams. They definitely had a case this season. They showed tremendous growth over the course of the season, capped off by beating the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. 
who the committee had as their number one overall team at that point. And Georgia had a 29-game winning streak coming into that game, which had started after they lost to Alabama in the 2021 SEC Championship game. Alabama is an incredible football team. I love Nick Saban. I think he is the greatest head coach in the history of college football. And, like, literally, who could blame him for advocating on behalf of his team to make the playoff? It's literally his job. It would be shocking if he went out and said, no, Florida State deserves to get in, we don't. That's his job to advocate on behalf of his team. In no way am I saying that Alabama did not deserve to make the playoff or is not a good football team. But over Florida State, they did not. And I think that the Crimson Tide have been receiving some scrutiny because they happen to be the team that jumped Florida State. They don't deserve that. The anger here should not be squared at Alabama, who has a good football team, a great football team, one of the best football teams, but at the powers that be in college football. Because another thing, the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, where it just means more, was not a dominant football conference this year. That's the notion we have in all of our heads that the SEC is somehow the greatest conference in the history of the world every year, 24-7, that God mandated that the SEC is the best conference. That may have been the case in previous years, but there's not a lot of data that shows the SEC is just so much better than everybody else, including the ACC this year. Because do you know what the SEC's record against other Power 5 conferences this year was? The SEC teams played 16 games against other Power 5 conference teams. They went 7-9. and nine. The SEC's record against the ACC this year. We say the ACC is the worst football conference. Out of the Power Five. The SEC went four and six against the ACC. It's a fact. And two of those losses were to Florida State. And defenders of the SEC, because don't worry, there's a bunch of them, will tell you, oh, well, that's because you beat Florida, who's not going to a bowl game. South Carolina twice, who's not going to a bowl game. Vanderbilt, who's not going to a bowl game. Well, three of the SEC's wins are against Georgia Tech twice and Virginia. Now, Georgia Tech, don't get me wrong, did make a bowl game. Georgia Tech went 6-6 six and six this year. How about that? But the two SEC wins against Georgia Tech were Georgia and Ole Miss, teams that are ranked in the top 15 of the playoff rankings right now. And Virginia, who is dreadful this year, don't worry, I witnessed it up close against Virginia Tech, lost to Tennessee, who's also ranked in the committee rankings right now. So that can go hand in hand. So the SEC went four and six against the ACC this year, and two of those losses were to Florida State. Yes, the SEC has won the last four national championships, six out of the last nine, and there's been two times where SEC teams have played each other in the national championship game where no other conference has had that happen once in the college football playoff. But are we talking about those past years? Do any of those previous seasons mean anything when we are talking about the 13 games that were played in the 2023 college football season? Absolutely not. How can we say that the SEC was some powerhouse this season compared to everybody else? They had a losing record against the ACC. The ACC even had a winning record against the Big Ten. They won four games. They lost three. The ACC had more teams qualify for a bowl game That means win six games than the SEC did. But because it just means more, 
We're going to give the nod to the SEC. Like, ask yourself, if they switch the resumes right now of Alabama and Florida State, who would be the team that's in the playoff right now? It would be an undefeated Alabama team over a one-loss Florida State team. There's no doubt that an Alabama team who lost their starting quarterback to injury, everything that happened to Florida State, you put on Alabama, you give to Alabama, Alabama gets in over a Florida State team that has that same resume. And listen, like I said, I'm not dissing Alabama. Alabama has a great football team. Nick Saban is one of the best coaches in sports. He's the best coach in the history of college football. It's not Alabama's fault that this happened. Alabama didn't decide to put themselves in. It was the committee and the powers that be in college football and college sports. And there's also this conspiracy that I don't buy into, that it was ESPN who made sure that an SEC team was in the playoff. ESPN told the committee, you better get the SEC in the playoff because ESPN, starting next year, is going to be paying the SEC a whole lot of money because that big 330 SEC on CBS game that was on CBS for over 20 years is going to ABC and ESPN next year. And the ESPN is paying a whole lot of money for it. So why wouldn't they want the SEC in? I don't buy that. But you have to wonder that ESPN's favorable coverage of the conference made an impact on the members of the selection committee. There's a video from College Game Day back on November 18th, the day that Jordan Travis got injured. Although this clip took place earlier in the day, Jordan Travis didn't get injured until that night. This took place in the morning, where ESPN analyst Kirk Herbstreet is already questioning whether an undefeated Florida State team would make the playoff over an SEC champion Alabama team. And that was before Jordan Travis got hurt. Before the committee says... Florida State's offense looked terrible in their last two games of the season. That was before they were already questioning whether Florida State should have gotten in. Why? Because as Kirk Herbstreet said, go watch the video on Twitter. There's no way an SEC champion gets left out. Why? Why is that not? If Georgia won, they're obviously in. They were undefeated. But Alabama lost the game. Why would Alabama get in over a team who beat them? And a team who's also undefeated in a power conference. A power conference who has more wins against the SEC than the SEC has wins against the ACC this year. So here, let me play you a clip from the selection show that was on ESPN on Sunday afternoon where they actually unveiled the rankings. This was right in the aftermath of Alabama getting picked number four and Florida State getting picked number five. This is a clip of ESPN analyst Booger McFarlane. Yes, his name is Booger. But I think it's one of the most well-versed arguments in this debate. I'm going to play first what this was right after, seconds after, they unveiled Alabama to be number four and Florida State to be number five. So I'm going to play what another ESPN analyst, Greg McElroy, who I think is a really good analyst on TV, but again, he played quarterback at Alabama, by the way, just saying, just put that out there. I'm going to say what he said right before that, because he argues on behalf of Alabama and then Booger responds. Here's that clip from Sunday. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm not shocked uh, with how Florida State played the last couple weeks. They just have dropped off considerably at quarterback, and it's, and it's understandable, and I feel terrible for them. They did everything that you could possibly ask them to do, and here they are on the outside looking in. A lot of people will have big issues with this. They'll ask, why do we play the games? Why are we looking at a team that's undefeated that did everything asked of them to punch their ticket, but the committee actually did the thing that they've talked about for the last 10 years. Forever it's been 
Well, you know, it's kind of the most easy to justify. Well, this team has zero losses. This team has one loss. So therefore, the zero loss team should be ahead of the one loss team. This is the head to head. They took everything into account. They took a step back. They acknowledged injury, which they've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. And they put in the four best teams. And that is not an easy thing to do. So I want to tip my cap to the committee because that is a difficult decision to make. And they think they probably went with the thing that was a a little less popular than it would have been had they just gone with the undefeated Power 5 champ. Well, I'm going to completely disagree with you. To, to, to me, this, this is a travesty to the sport. Because we go out there on the field and we play the game. And regardless of whether it looks good at the quarterback position, regardless whether we win with offense, whether we win with defense, the name of the game is to win. And that's a reason never before has this not been done. Winning a Power 5 conference, going undefeated, and not getting into the playoff. So I, I understand we want to look at style points and who are we going to get for the best matchups. But that's not what this is about. This is about understanding to get the four best teams. One team has a loss, and that's Alabama. One team doesn't in Florida State. And the fact that this committee could take a Power 5 conference champion that's undefeated, those kids have went out there and busted their behind and not get into the playoff based on the eye test. Mind you, this is the same Alabama team who needed a prayer in Jordan Hare to beat an Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State. So that's really what has me bothered right now. The name of the game is to win. That's what it comes down to. One team had a loss. The other didn't. And what the committee is saying to the Florida State team without Jordan Travis is you're not good enough. But if you're Florida State, this is why everybody is so incredulous right now. What are you supposed to do? You did everything you were supposed to do. You won all your games. And the committee said, no, this team who lost a game is better than you. Two teams who lost a game are better than you. When you're playing in a Power 5 conference, which is supposed to be on level footing with the other conferences, and now that I just showed you in their matchups, the ACC was better than the SEC this year. So, like, that's the thing. What are you supposed to do? This isn't some thing that parents nowadays are complaining about. Everybody gets a participation trophy. Oh, my gosh. No, Florida State won all their games. This isn't a participation trophy. This is like, what else are you supposed to do? It, it's unfathomable. But the issue I have with what Greg McElroy said is that the committee went with the four best teams and he tips his cap to the committee. That's according to Greg McElroy. That's not according to everybody. If we're going to make the argument that it should be the four best teams that get into the playoff, where's Georgia? Georgia was on a 29-game winning streak. Georgia's ranked number six and hadn't come close to losing to anybody all year until they lost by three points in a nail-biter in the SEC championship game in Alabama. Where's Ohio State? Ohio State didn't come close to losing to anybody until they lost to Michigan on the final drive of the game on the road in the last game of their season. Where is Georgia? Where's Ohio State? And I'd also note that if Florida State looks so much worse without their starting quarterback, then why are they ranked ahead of Georgia? Why are they ranked ahead of Ohio State? That doesn't make any sense. Why would the committee, if they're if they have a problem with how Florida State's offense looks, how are they ranked ahead of Georgia and Ohio State? That doesn't make any sense because the committee knows that Florida State still has an uber-talented roster with at least two potential first-round picks likely to go in the top 10 of this year's draft in wide receiver Keon Coleman and defensive end Jared Verse. 
which makes their decision all the more confusing. If we want the four best teams, how is Washington ranked number two? Yes, Washington beat everybody, just like Florida State. And Michael Penix Jr. absolutely deserves to be in the Heisman running. But they won their last three games of the season by nine total points. They beat Oregon State by three points. Oregon State's a good team. They beat Washington State by three points. Washington State isn't that good. And they beat Oregon by three points. Because if we want the four best teams, then maybe I'd put Oregon in there. If we want the four best teams, if we don't just want the teams that won other games, why is Oregon not in there? Because Oregon looked much better than Washington for this season. Oregon's closest victory was a nine-point win against USC. They beat all their other opponents by more than 10 points, including scoring 81 points on Portland State to start the season. Now, Portland State's Portland State, but you scored 81 points. But what happened the two times that they played Washington? They lost. That's why they aren't in the playoff. Because they lost the game. That's why this whole process of selecting the four best teams out of five Power 5 conferences, mind you, is extremely subjective and extremely flawed. As ESPN analyst, another one, Dan Mullen pointed out in another clip I'm going to play for you here that aired a little later in the day on ESPN on Sunday. Here's that clip. Well, the same day you're talking about this Florida-Florida State game, the Alabama team who we just shoved right in there to the greatest thing of all times played an Auburn team who had been absolutely boat raced by New Mexico State. I mean, embarrassed by New Mexico State. The week before. And needed an absolute miracle to beat an extremely below average Auburn team. And so, but I guess, I guess I'm sorry, that, that must, and that was not with their backup and third string quarterback. That was with Jayla Milrow, who is like, has to be, Jayla Milrow is the guy. They could barely win that game. So I, I think to me, and it gets into the biggest thing, and I love the, the criteria. The criteria is the best team. Well, how do you find the best team? Okay, The best team subjectively, well, it was already done. The best team yesterday going in, Georgia was the number one ranked team. Okay, So the committee thought they're the best team. They're, they're, they're the best. Like they, We don't need to see a game. They're the best. Okay, Because it's subjectively. Las Vegas had them as, as a big favorite. Subjectively, they're the best. Objectively, we went and played a game. And when you played the game, oh, lo and behold, maybe... They're not the best team. In the movies, the hero always wins. The best team who we subjectively think is the best team in college sports doesn't always win. Maybe who you think is the best team doesn't always win. So in the game of football, what makes it so special is you have to play the game. And when you play the game, someone wins and someone loses. And if you play it 10 times, it might be different. But in college football, you get to play it once usually. You play the game, someone wins, someone loses. And you know what Florida State did? All they did was win. Winning has to matter. Because if not, I could say that, well, LSU's offense has looked at electrifying this year. Their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, has been incredible, and he might win the Heisman. Their offense averaged the most yards and the most points per game this season. So LSU should get into the playoff because out of all the teams in the country, they look like they are the best. So why aren't they in the playoff? Because they've lost three times. And what I love about what Mullen noted was Las Vegas and the odds. Because many are arguing that a Florida State team would get boat raced by Michigan in the semifinal. Michigan would be a heavy favorite. And that may have been true. We, know, we would never know. We'll never know. But just last week, Oregon was almost a 10-point favorite against Washington. Partially because, like I just said, 
Oregon has looked better than Washington since Washington beat Oregon back in October. Washington still won all their games, but Oregon's looked more decisive in their wins. But guess what happened when they played? Washington not only covered, they won by three points. Georgia was almost a touchdown favorite against Alabama. But guess who won? No single person can tell you whether every game is going to be close or a blowout before it happens, as I found from my football picks these last few years. The games have to matter. Winning has to matter. And it didn't matter as much as it should, according to the committee in this instance. And by the way, the committee contradicts itself. Not just when we're looking back to past years, but this year, because when the committee determined the highest ranked group of five team, we're talking about the group of five conferences, the American, the Conference USA, the Mountain West, the MAC, and the Sun Belt, because the highest ranked group of five team gets an automatic spot in a New Year's Six Bowl game, the committee chose Liberty, the Conference USA champion, who did not play a single Power Five team and only played four of their 12 regular season games against teams who finished with a winning record over SMU, the American Conference champion who just beat a ranked two-lane team, but they lost two games throughout the season. But both games SMU lost were to Power 5 competition, Oklahoma and TCU, who are in the Big 12. I guess, listen, SMU is going to be in the ACC next year, so I guess this is what it feels like to be in the ACC, SMU. Welcome to the Atlantic Coast Conference. But, but, wait a second. Liberty, by the way, disclaimer, I hate Liberty. The whole existence of Liberty very much, and will never have any sympathy for, ever. They are an awful organization, school, I don't know if you can call them a school. Liberty won every game, but they played a god-awful schedule. In the Conference USA, the worst conference in FBS. But then you have SMU, who lost to two teams that were at a level that Liberty did not play this season. Liberty did not play Big 12 teams. They didn't play Power 5 teams. SMU played two of them, but they lost. SMU also beat a ranked two-lane team. Liberty did not beat a ranked team. Didn't even, not even close. But in this instance, the team that looks better, SMU, but has losses didn't get in ahead of an undefeated Liberty team who subjectively doesn't look as good. And let's take a look at that argument of strength of record and strength of schedule again. Strength of record, Liberty 14, SMU 19. Okay, oh, Liberty. Strength of schedule, Liberty 133, SMU 76. SMU has a strength of schedule rating almost 60 points higher. And yes, I did just tell you to get rid of strength of schedule for that argument. Because the committee used that for Alabama and Florida State. But in this instance, they chose the team with the worst strength of schedule and the better strength of record. So now the committee just looks stupid and inept because they've contradicted themselves now. And that's where you have to think that the SEC bias crept in when even as I just pointed out, the SEC was not the objective best conference this year, even compared to the ACC. And yes, I know, I realize that this is all not going to matter next year with the 12-team playoff because it's the final year of the 14-team playoff. 12-team playoff is coming next year. But in that 12-team playoff, we've got five highest-ranked conference champions they are going to be given automatic spots so Florida State would have gotten a bid. So we won't be having this exact same argument next year 
with the same consequences. And it's also true, I'll add, that if it wasn't for the ill-fated coalition of the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, that was dubbed the Alliance, if you remember that, failed spectacularly. If it wasn't for them, the playoff would have actually been expanded to 12 teams this year. But they held off for a year. But even if there was a 12-team playoff this year, we'd still be talking about the top four. Because in the 12-team playoff format, the four highest-ranked conference champions receive buys. And they don't have to play in the first round of games. That's pretty significant, I'd say. So even if Florida State automatically got in, they'd still get hosed because they'd be the fifth highest ranked conference champion. So there's even that hypothetical argument that could come into play in future years, even though Pac-12 isn't going to be a conference starting next year, which gets me into my overall point here. Like I told you all, I would not be talking about this on the podcast if the only reason I was upset was Florida State missing the college football playoff this year. I'm not a Florida State fan. 99% of the time, I don't care about Florida State. But it goes much deeper than Florida State missing this year's playoff. Because this isn't just about Florida State missing the playoff this season. It's about what the trajectory of college sports looks like right now. And what the goals of those who are in charge of college sports are. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes on reactions from Florida State missing the playoff. First, from Robert Griffin III. Y'all probably remember him. He's a former Baylor and NFL quarterback. He's a current analyst on ESPN. He wrote on threads, quote, Florida State is the first undefeated Power 5 conference champion to not get into the college football playoff, despite the ACC having a 6-4 and four record against the SEC this year, despite their defense not giving up 30 points in a single game all year despite their offense having more yards in the ACC championship than Michigan had in the Big Ten championship, despite holding Louisville's top 20 offense to six points, despite beating four top 25 teams, despite finding a way to win with their backup quarterback in a bitter rivalry game, despite finding a way to win with their third string quarterback in the ACC championship game, Florida State earned their spot in the CFP on the field, with and without Jordan Travis. You don't punish or diminish the work of 100-plus players and coaches because one player is not there on the field calling the shots. FSU has always answered the bell this year, and their response to losing their quarterback was to play possessed on defense. It is an absolute travesty that they were excluded from the college football playoff, unquote. Amen. Exactly. He just summed up what I just said in the last 45 minutes in like three paragraphs. Florida State head coach Mike Norvell released a statement that read, quote, I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision today to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided that they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing the games? Do you tell players it is okay to quit if someone goes down? Do you not play a senior on senior day for fear of injury? Where is the motivation to schedule challenging non-conference games? We are not only an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, but we also played two Power 5 non-conference games away from home and won both of them. I don't understand how we are supposed to think that this is an acceptable way to evaluate a team. I'm hurting for our players who have displayed a tremendous amount of resilience and response this season. What happened today goes against everything that is true and right in college football. A team that overcame tremendous adversity and found a way to win, doing whatever it took on the field, was cheated today. It's a sad day for college football. I'm proud of the work we have put in and the players I have the privilege to coach. 
We have one more opportunity to find this 2023 team in the Orange Bowl, and I believe in how our team will respond, unquote. Yes. So the committee is saying if Louisville blew the game, if Louisville did not care about the ACC championship game because they didn't, they weren't going to go into the playoff. They had lost to Kentucky the week before. So if Louisville just took out all their starters and let Florida State romp them on offense, the committee would have let Florida State in. And to his point, why schedule challenging non-conference games? Florida State scheduled LSU on a neutral site. LSU was a top five team coming into the preseason. And Florida State, they didn't just beat LSU. They destroyed LSU by over 20 points. But that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things, apparently. And then finally, the last quote I'm going to read you is the commissioner of the ACC, Jim Phillips, who said, quote, It's unfathomable that Florida State, an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, was left out of the college football playoff. Their exclusion calls into question the selection process and whether the committee's own guidelines were followed, including the significant importance of being an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. My heart breaks for the talented FSU student-athletes and coaches and their passionate and loyal fans. Florida State deserve better. College football deserve better, unquote. So we got a problem. We've got the Florida State head coach going scorched earth. We've got the ACC commissioner going scorched earth against the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. There is massive, deserved outrage at what the committee did. And I keep seeing all over ESPN, Paul Feinbaum, who is the golden bearer of the SEC. He's an ESPN and SEC network analyst and a radio host. Paul Feinbaum is everywhere on ESPN, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, claiming that the committee did the right thing putting Alabama in and that you wouldn't even be able to imagine the outrage that would be taking place right now if Alabama didn't get in and Florida State did. Huh. Um, but Paul, a quarterback just wished that he broke his leg sooner in the season. What the hell are you talking about? Maybe there'd be more outrage in your la-la SEC land where all your 50 callers, the same who call into your four-hour show every day, maybe you'd hear more outrage from them. But here in the rest of the world, I doubt that there would be as much commotion if Florida State had gotten in than there is now with Alabama in the playoff. Alabama has been in the six of the previous nine editions of the four-team college football playoff, meaning they've been in the thing more times than not. Would they actually threaten to investigate the process because they got put at number five? Because that's what some people are doing. That's what Florida Senator Rick Scott is doing. Listen, y'all, Rick Scott is an idiot. He knows that nothing's going to come out of that. We know why the committee picked Florida State. We know why they're number five and why Alabama's number four. All he's doing really is just pandering to get votes because he's got an election coming up next year in Florida. But the reason he's probably going to be successful in pandering is because a lot of people are outraged. Now, listen, I did see a TikTok, though, of an Alabama fan who was unable to watch the television screen in agony as the selection show was showing who would be number four. And then when Alabama got in, they were saying, we did it. We didn't. No, you didn't do a damn thing. You just sat on your ass every Saturday this fall and watched Alabama on the TV screen. You didn't do anything. They're crazy. But anyways, yes, what the committee did proved that the whole four-team process is not ideal, which is why a 12-team playoff is probably ideal, because that's what every other tier of football does. The NFL, they have a 14-team playoff decided by records. The FCS, 
They have a 2014 playoff. Division two of college football. They have a 2018 playoff. But surely Division three wouldn't have a playoff, right? Nope. They have a 32 team playoff. Every high school system, every state basically uses a playoff system for basically all their sports, but definitely football. Now, I'm not advocating for a 30-team playoff, y'all. I think 12 teams is probably a good place that gives us really every team that could possibly contend for a championship at the end of the season. But I thought that about a 14-team playoff probably when that started. Even a 14-team playoff, which was an improvement over the BCS single-game championship, didn't make much sense now when looking at how everyone else conducts their postseason. Even going back to when the 14 playoff was conceived, it didn't make sense when we look at how everybody else that plays the game of American football conducts their postseason. But Florida State not getting into the playoff, as I said, is not the only reason I think there's so much outrage out there right now. Why? Because we're entering this new era in college sports and college football. I think what happened on Sunday showed that the era of college football we've known for a while is over. The Pac-12 is dead. It's gone. The Big Ten and the SEC are going to be super conferences next year. The SEC is going to have 16 teams. Big Ten is going to have 18 teams. The ACC is going to have 18 teams or 17. Even something that seems like it wouldn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. The SEC leaving its longtime television home for its best football games, CBS, is taking place. But oh boy, it does mean a lot in the grand scheme of things. Because like I said, starting next year, the SEC is moving its best games over to ESPN, which is going to air them on ABC. And the SEC is going to get a nice payday. They were getting about $60 million for those games from CBS every year. They're going to get $300 million per season from ESPN for those games, or about $3 billion over the next 10 years of that contract, just for one or two football games per week. Right now, the SEC pays out about $50 million each to its schools, which is a little less than what the Big Ten paid out last year, which was closer to $60 million. Meanwhile, you had the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12, who were each paying their schools around $40 million. But that gap is expected to widen with the Big Ten and the SEC's new television deals, because by the end of the decade, third-party research firm Navigate projects that the ACC and the Big 12 are going to be paying their schools around $60 million every season. But the SEC and the Big Ten, they'll be pumping out nearly $100 million to each of its institutions. That gap in funding is unsustainable in the long term to compete for the ACC and the Big 12. We're moving towards a power two. And the powers that be are letting it happen. And it's happening because not just college football, but college sports are out of control. The NCAA has proven to be an incompetent, loathsome, abhorrent, atrocious ruler of college sports who make horrific decisions and then do a laughable job at disciplining some, but letting others get off scot-free. And yes, we've had NIL and the transfer portal come up in the last few years, which I think have been great things overall for student-athletes which the NCAA still insists they be referred to student-athletes, but the NCAA dragged their feet for as long as they could on NIL and the transfer portal because it shows how inept the NCAA is that they refused to allow NIL for many years. They made it a free-for-all when they were forced out of their position by the government. An unregulated NIL and transfer portal have caused chaos, and while pay-for-play 
is still not really allowed, you know what's happening somewhere because this is unregulated right now. And I know that the NCAA is an easy target, but it isn't just the NCAA. What about these administrators of these universities, athletic programs, conferences, not all of them, but for a lot of them, there's only one goal in their eyes right now. And let me give you a hint. It is the color green. If we cared about pageantry, tradition, and the other aspects that separate college sports from the pros and make it so fun to witness and be a part of, then the Pac-12 wouldn't be dead. Then Oklahoma would still be playing Oklahoma State every year because that's not going to happen starting next year. Then Maryland wouldn't be traveling across the country to play Oregon in a conference game in November, which is happening next year. When that trip has to be made in the middle of the week for a volleyball or a soccer or a baseball team, does that have the best interest of the student athlete in mind? That's what we should be doing here. Oregon should be playing Oregon State and Washington State in their conference, not Rutgers and Penn State. But because Fox forked over the money to give to the Big Ten to add Oregon and Washington along with USC and UCLA, They'll be joining the conference next year. It's an unchecked logistical nightmare that needs oversight. And the only way that's going to happen anytime soon is if the government gets involved. Help us all because who? Yeah, because the thing is, we can't trust the leaders of these conferences to do the right thing. Remember, the SEC was reportedly toying with the idea of removing automatic bids from the NCAA men's basketball tournament, because who really needs the likes of UMBC, Fairleigh Dickinson, St. Peter's, etc.? We need more teams like Vanderbilt and South Carolina and Mississippi State in the tournament, apparently. Like, it seems hard to fathom, but apparently these college administrators, the people running college sports, don't understand why we watch the March Madness. We watch to see St. Peter's and Paralee Dickinson pull off an upset. And then we watch to see who wins the national championship at the end. But that's not the only reason the NCAA is getting a massive amount of money from CBS and Turner every year for the NCAA men's basketball tournament. National championship isn't the only reason. It's because of March Madness. Because millions, tens of millions of people are watching the first games of a 68-team tournament to watch the Cinderella story. You're not going to get, maybe in the short term, you'd get a big payday. But in the long term, that wouldn't be sustainable because people would tune out of that tournament until we get an actually authoritative oversight, leader, board, committee, whatever, that is in charge of at least FBS or the Power Five. This is just going to get worse and worse. We need a system where schools are playing the schools geographically near them in their conference. When there's a conference for West Coast teams, So they don't have to play the likes of Miami and Boston College and Ohio State because that's what West Coast teams are going to be doing next year. Where these conferences who are supposed to be playing each other, supposed to be on a level playing field, don't have a ginormous gap in revenue between each other. So that money is not what determines whether you win in college sports. So what determines whether you win is hard work, skill and passion. Making sure that longstanding rivalries stay intact, that you should be able to root for your school and not have to sacrifice your morals. These things that make college sports actually fun to watch need to be put back in place. Why does Europe not have college sports? Why does anybody else in the world except for the United States not have college sports, or at least at the popularity they are in America? It's not because of the money that's in college sports. This history and tradition was built up over 
150 years of playing college football and college sports. Because an NFL junior league would not be fun to watch. Why do we watch college football? Because without the schools, their traditions, their rivalries, and everything else that makes them unique, you watch a Florida State game because you watch Florida State because you went to Florida State. You want to root for your team or you want to watch the Seminole Chop or you want to watch this incredible atmosphere where tens of thousands of students and alumni are just going crazy. You watch a Virginia Tech game to watch everybody lose their minds to jump to enter Sandman at the beginning of the game because it's tradition and it's amazing to watch. You don't watch because, oh, Florida State's got the best money. If we wanted to watch the best teams in the sport, we'd watch the NFL. And I do watch the NFL. But there's a reason college football is not as good as the the NFL, talent-wise. Not even close. And it really is an NFL Junior League right now. Everybody who plays in the NFL, almost 99% of them go to college in the United States. But we don't watch because of that. We watch because, oh, I went to Alabama, so I'm going to root for Alabama and watch. Or my friend or my wife or whoever I know. Or I grew affinity for this team watching them whenever, you know? Without the schools, their traditions, their rivalries, everything else that makes them unique, you have nothing. And you need people who are in charge of college sports to realize that. Because those at the top right now do not. If you just have an NFL Junior League... That would not make any money. The NFL tried that in Europe, NFL Europe. It failed. If you want to watch a lower quality of football, which college football is, except for the psycho fans out there who just love football so much, that's, that audience is not sustainable for the amount of money that these co- college and conference administrators want. You need people to watch who are rooting for mascots and schools and traditions and whatever you need those people if you want to sustain your level of importance your level of popularity your level of funding and the people in charge of college sports i don't think they realize that right now because what's going on the trajectory college sports is on right now is moving away from all that and that's the biggest problem but ultimately in conclusion what the committee truly showed on sunday is that It's that we've moved into this new era of the haves and the have-nots within what we consider right now to be the Power 5, which might just be the Power 2 right now. Because you take a look at the playoff teams by their conference affiliation next year, Michigan and Washington are going to be in the Big Ten. Alabama and Texas are going to be partners in the SEC. And out of the 13 teams in the final college football playoff ranking, only one team is going to be in a conference next year that's not the SEC or the Big Ten. And that's Florida State. Cool facts, bro. And listen, this, what just happened to Florida State, is probably going to make them try and get out of the ACC. Now, more than ever, there's been rumblings that them and Clemson and whoever are trying to get out of the conference. They've even said publicly a couple months ago that they were not happy with the ACC. And now this might just expedite their move. Which I don't think is, I want the ACC to stay. I like playing UVA and North Carolina and... NC State, Miami, and Pittsburgh, because those are the teams near us. Washington, Oregon, Oklahoma, Texas, those aren't the teams near us, as I'm referring to Virginia Tech. I want to play the teams near me that we have tradition with, you know? And we don't even have that 
We have a long-standing rivalry with West Virginia. We've barely played West Virginia in the last 15 years, even though they're right there. But because of these different conference affiliations. And so listen, a 12-team playoff cannot come soon enough. It's coming next year. But it came too late to save the Pac-12. The Pac-12, a conference whose origins go back 100 years, is dead because of money. It may have come too late to save the ACC, at least from becoming the Big Ten and the SEC's little play toy. The gap in funds that the Big Ten and the SEC schools are going to have over the ACC and the Big 12 schools isn't that wide right now compared to what it's going to be at the end of the decade when some schools are gathering over $50 million more per season. And we've already seen at least how the committee views SEC and Big Ten teams compared to ACC teams. If you take a look at the rankings this year, and it'll just lead to more and more of what's happening already in the next couple of years, even with an expanded playoff. Like, y'all, even though the change is coming at this point, we'll see what happens, but why would it matter? So I just wanted to finish this up by reading from a USA Today article from Sunday that was titled, Committee Snubbing Unbeaten Florida State Makes a Mockery of College Football Playoff, which was written by one of my favorite sports writers, Nancy Armour. Y'all probably remember back in the summer when I brought up Armour's article on Megan Rapino after the U.S. women lost in the World Cup titled USWNT might have lost at World Cup, but Megan Rapino won a long time ago. So here's how this article begins. Committee snubbing unbeaten Florida State makes a mockery of the college football playoff. It begins, quote, good to know these last four months didn't matter. That results on the field don't matter. Those are the only conclusions that can be drawn from the college football playoff selection committee's decision to pass over an unbeaten ACC champion Florida State for one loss Alabama on Sunday. The committee members looked into their crystal balls and decided that there was no possible way a Florida State team without its starting quarterback could compete. So why bother even let them try? Especially when there was college football royalty Alabama there for the taking, and SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey reminding everyone who would listen that it's an unwritten rule. One of the four playoff spots is reserved for the SEC. There's a problem with that. Several, in fact, but none larger than the committee going against its own precedent and snubbing a Power 5 conference champion that did everything right on the field. A perfect season that included three wins over top 20 teams, as well as wins over two SEC teams outside of Tallahassee and one of the top defenses in the country because of what its members feel. That isn't the pinnacle of competition. That's a beauty pageant, unquote. So I ask again. What does Florida State have to do? Did their quarterback not have to get injured? Did Florida State's second string quarterback not have to get injured for the committee to realize that Florida State should be in the playoff? Because that beauty pageant aspect isn't going away anytime soon with the trajectory of college sports. The committee failed college football, and the committee ultimately failed college sports Sanders facts so there you have it y'all those are all the facts i got for you on this week's flashback thank you all so much for listening and remember that if you liked all the facts we had on this week's Sanders facts flashback remember to follow this podcast download this episode rate and review the podcast check us out on all the socials threads facebook instagram tiktok i usually post stuff on there at Zaders facts that is zader with a z And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it spreading the facts around here. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, along with Xander's Facts YouTube channel, because you can check out this episode and a bunch of our past episodes 
on the YouTube channel with a nice background. You can watch, subscribe. It's lovely. Go check it out on YouTube. And also check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. So y'all, I know we had a flashback this week. No new facts. But next week, Wednesday, January 31st, we are going to have some new facts. Episode 131. Make sure to tune in for that podcast. So that is it. That is a wrap on this week's Xander's Facts Flashback. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 131 next week. I love big leaf maples. I do too. Oh, this feels so good.